Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. portion of our service we call cleansing God forgiving his people this morning we're turning to Matthew chapter 6 we were there last week actually for our call to confession looking at uh, Jesus call to not worry about our life what we will eat or drink uh, today we'll look at the passage just before that Matthew 6 19 through 24 our message today is uh, on Mary anointing Jesus feet and the objection that Judas had and that objection came in part from greed so we have uh, this uh, connected with that Matthew 6 verse 19 do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. One thing to know about this passage is that the eye... It was an idiom in the Jewish figure of speech for uh, stinginess. An evil eye or a bad eye meant that it was like our shades of green, envy kind of thing. Envy, greed, stinginess. A good eye or a healthy eye meant that you were generous, you were open-handed, uh, willing to share, and so on. Judas had an evil eye in our sermon text this morning. He ob objected to uh, a large expense for Jesus. He wanted to get some of that for himself. So we are called instead to wise generosity. So let's confess our sins before Almighty God today. I encourage you to kneel right there in your homes if you are able. Remember that we uh, do this uh, every week, same kind of structure, same order of service. Uh, let it not get familiar just because of that sameness and uh, forget the precious value this word has. John 12, the first eight verses. Hear God's word. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment from, made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? 
He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. Wondering if you remember the uh, ad campaign uh, for the MasterCard. It was uh, the priceless ads. The priceless ads. Like one of them was showed a father and son going to a ball game. And it said, tickets to the game, $40. Hot dogs and drinks, $20. Time with your son, priceless. And then there were all kinds of knockoffs and spoofs of that too. But that's uh, something of uh, the theme, the meme, uh, here in our uh, passage of Scripture today. Uh, perfume, uh, the first thing that you would uh, notice was the dinner. Uh, dinner where Lazarus is there, Mary, uh, all of Jesus' disciples probably. That's a fairly large group. Dinner for dinner for 15, say, uh, $200, 300 whatever it was. Uh, perfume uh, poured out on Jesus' feet, 300 denarii, and we'll get into the cost of that. Uh, so what is the priceless? What's the, the punchline? It's in verse 7, just to give you the punchline right up front today. Uh, Jesus did this for the day of uh, Christ's, uh, excuse me, Mary did this for the day of Christ's burial. It's the, the death of Christ. That is the priceless item in this chapter, in this passage. So there are uh, uh, moments of uniquely costly sacrifice for Jesus that arise or that come to us, opportunities. And when we do those out of gratitude for his saving death, then Jesus honors those. And that's what Mary does here. So we'll look first uh, at the anointing uh, with Lazarus and Mary, and then at the embezzler, Judas, and then at the real pearl of great price, Jesus. So the anointing first and the setting before we get to Mary and and the actual act of anointing, uh, the setting here, you have a dinner and it's put on by Simon the leper. uh, Simon is uh, mentioned in Mark 14. He seems to be the host, uh, but Lazarus is there as well. And uh, many people point out that, that we have proof of the miracle there. And it's it's quite something that when you read Mark's account and John's account in tandem, it's almost like there's two different events. But there's enough overlap that you see, oh, this is the same thing. So why didn't Mark uh, or why didn't John mention that Simon, the host, and why doesn't Mark mention that Lazarus was there? That's a big deal. Right. This is proof of the miracle of the last chapter, John 11, that Jesus raised Lazarus. And Lazarus does the same thing that Jesus did after Jesus was raised. He he meets with the disciples and he eats with them. Lazarus is eating here, too. So the the one thing that's going on here is you've got proof of that miracle. And it's just indisputable. It's so no one can argue against this, that Lazarus is now alive and he's hanging around for a while. And Jesus did this, and we all saw Jesus do it. And when he did it, he told us he was going to do it first, and he prayed to God before he did it, making the connection, I'm doing this as one sent from God. It's just an indisputable proof of who Jesus was. Well, you've got that in the setting. Uh, Also, think about the host, the the Simon character. Uh, Pretty brave of him to put on a supper for an outlaw. Don't forget, at the very end of John 11, 
the Pharisee or the temple rulers uh, are uh, looking to know where Jesus is because then they're going to arrest him. Jesus has a warrant out for his arrest. And so in Bethany, just a couple miles from Jerusalem, uh, they put on a dinner for Jesus. And we find out, in fact, in verse 9 and 10 that Lazarus does get in trouble for it. They, they decide to uh, put him to death as well. So that's the setting. And then we have Mary's act, this anointing. Uh, and this is uh, quite a thing. There's three things about this to notice, uh, this anointing. First of all, it's a financially huge sacrifice. Uh, 300 denarii, and m many of your footnotes will probably say that a denarius was a day's wage for a laborer. So instead of trying all kinds of intricate financial calculations, just think about that in, in terms of your work schedule. Right? 300 work days is a little bit less than a year, probably, although maybe not quite so uh, much less. Take out weekends and vacations. Maybe it's about, that's about right. So you've got roughly a year's wage here. So whatever you consider the median uh, salary for someone uh, for a year, that's how much this perfume cost. So Mary's been saving this up, and it's a financially huge sacrifice. She dumps the whole thing out, uh, Jesus' head and his feet, apparently both. Uh, Mark mentions the one and John the other. So it's financially huge. It's a personal value item. This is perfume, right? It's a spice. Uh, it, it's a fragrant thing. It's, it, there's personal value there. And third, it's, there's an intimately humble act, right? She, she wipes the, it on Jesus with her hair, uh, putting her hair on his feet. So that's, that's a humbling thing, and it's also an intimate thing to, to uh, mess with your hair that way. So Mary's act is financially huge, it's personally valuable, valued, and it's also intimately humble. Uh, this is part of the reason I went to the Song of Solomon today for our scripture reading. Uh, the nard is the, the word in the New King James, it might say spike nard. Uh, it's, it's a perfume, right? A perfume is an attractive agent. And in Song of Solomon, that's what you see, is you see the attraction between the man and the woman. And they, they call to each other back and forth, praising each other for their beauty, uh, saying, come away with me, uh, draw me to him. Uh, there, there's a, an attraction going on there. And it, this gets a little awkward, but I think that sexual union and love, uh, that kind of attraction, there's a metaphor there to our love for Christ. Of course, there's... You know, boundaries we have to put on that, of course. But there's a connection, right? Our love for Jesus, we need to have, and by the Spirit we do have, a drawing of ourselves to Christ. We're drawn to him for his saving of us, for his power and majesty and beauty. So that's what's going on here as well. Is you've got this fragrance that filled the whole house, right? So incense, spices like that in the temple were meant to cover the sacrificial stench. Uh, so that's part of what's going on, right? The spices are put on the bodies when they are buried for that reason. So that's so the perfume, the incense, is meant to point to the burial, the death of Jesus. We have that at the very beginning of Jesus' birth when the wise men come. The Magi, one thing they bring is frankincense. Uh, which is often seen as a pointer to Christ's death. So, uh, besides that, though, it's, there's also just an aromatic beauty going on. The smell fills the house. It's in Mary's hair. It's everywhere she goes. The aroma of her sacrifice. 
And that's an application that we need to make there as well. Wherever she goes, her love for Christ goes with her. And, and the aroma of Christ uh, fills the place where she is that blesses others. That's what Mary is doing here. It's a good uh, picture for our own uh, works and sacrifices that we make for others. Uh, are they done for Jesus? So our sacrifices will look different, just as God has made us different. Uh, Romans 12 mentions this, right? Whatever uh, you've been given, uh, to, uh, to whatever way you've been given to sacrifice, do that. And it gives a, a bit of a list. But the first thing in Romans 12 is present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what Mary does here. She presents her body as a living sacrifice to Jesus. She has kept this perfume for this special time. Now, other people have other sacrifices, right? Martha's working hard in the kitchen. Uh, that's a different sacrifice that she makes. Uh, doing this for Jesus with a heart surrendered. That's the key. So our sacrifices will look different. Uh, Mary's is uh, a unique one, uh, but others are sacrificing and working as well. Simon's hosting, Martha's in the kitchen, and, and on it goes. So that's the anointing. There's a, a unique, uh, financially huge, uh, intimately humble act here. Quite something. A, a whole year's worth of wages uh, poured out on Jesus. Well, this is a bit much for uh, some in the crowd, and, and the different accounts seem to say it wasn't just Judas who object, objects, but others are grumbling too. Judas is the one who seems to voice it. And I call him the embezzler because that's what it says right, real clearly in verse 6. Uh, Judas did not object because he cared about the poor, but because he had charge of the money bag and used to help himself to what was put into it. That's the very definition of embezzling. I don't know if you kids have read The Horse and His Boy yet in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, at the very beginning, there was a corrupt official who kidnapped Shasta, Prince Corin, And he finds out at the end that he'd been bezzling or something like that. One of my favorite lines in Narnia. The kids don't know what embezzling is. Bezzling? I don't know. Uh, he'd been embezzling from the King of Arkland. So pilfering, uh, stealing. Uh, we had this right in Livingston County uh, late last year. In the local news, uh, an official in the courthouse was embezzling to the tune of $60,000, uh, just, just keeping for himself money that was supposed to be dispersed uh, uh, due to the court rulings. So embezzling is a real thing. So because of this, because of Judas's greed, he criticizes a generous act for selfish reasons. Uh, so uh, one thing to note here is that we need to be careful with criticism. Uh, there are times to wonder if that was the wisest thing to do. Uh, but criticism comes so easily to many of us. Sometimes it's needed. It's, it's important to uh, have iron sharpen iron and question each other. Uh, but especially important in these times when we are uh, together a lot, maybe the, the sharp tongue of criticism has uh, been unleashed in your home more quickly than otherwise it would as uh, tempers are shorter, we're together more and, and can't get away. Uh, whatever that may be, criticism is what Judas is doing here. He focuses on the poor. Uh, there's a, I forget what wit it was that said there's there's a fortune to be made on the poor. And that's uh, really, really true. There's a whole lot of money in the poor. You can just uh, find a way to uh, raise money for the poor and then it never gets to them. I don't know if you've heard of the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's a very liberal group that... Um, 
tries to brand uh, conservative groups as hate groups. They had a recent scandal, a uh, financial scandal as well. They, their, their whole thing is to help the poor. But it turns out that they were getting rich like crazy, the, the executives. So Judas is uh, in that same kind of category. Well, what about the poor? We should have given this to the poor because then it goes through me and I get to keep some of it. That's what Judas is doing. Uh, no, Mary gave to Jesus. Judas is taking from Jesus. That's the contrast here. And I've come across, um, I guess we did, I didn't get this in the service. Maybe it's at the end. Uh, Psalm 86, verse 11. There's a phrase there that I've uh, came across years ago and just have uh, really come back to over and over again. The phrase is, unite my heart to fear your name. That's David's prayer in Psalm 86. Unite my heart to fear your name. And that's very apt because we have divided hearts, right? And we see that in Judas especially here. He has a divided heart. He's uh, walking around with Jesus, uh, helping Jesus in many ways. I figure he was one of the 70 that Jesus sent out two by two to cast out demons and to preach and to heal. So it's not like Judas is all bad, but he has a very divided heart because uh, there's selfishness in him as well. So that uh, is Judas, the embezzler. Uh, Mark 14, verse 9, makes this very clear. When it, uh, Part of Jesus' response uh, to Judas, go back there to Mark 14 a minute, part of Jesus' response is to say that wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Wow, that is something. Now, what is it that we remember Judas for? And, and what do we remember Mary for? Yeah, that's very important. What's done for the Lord will last. Uh, kids, if you're paying attention, I have a little object lesson for you at this point. On that point, what we do for the Lord is what's going to last. So since I'm on video here, I'm going to see if I can. If this works. Yeah, I've got two rocks here. Uh, one, They're both from Israel. And they make a nice little object lesson. Uh, so if you see this rock, it's a pretty plain-looking thing. And I have another one here that's kind of mosaic. If, if I put water over that, you'd see the color get really bright. It's just part of a really beautiful mosaic. So the object lesson here is that this rock was taken from the Elah Valley, where David fought Goliath. And this is the kind of stone, apparently, that's, that is there and probably the kind of stone that hit Goliath in the head, right, that David threw. That rock, that's what we know of David, right? That's one of the famous stories about David and Goliath. Uh, this stone came from uh, Caesarea Philippi on the, on the coast, which was a city that Herod built and just made extremely beautiful with all kinds of mosaic and gold-layered uh, uh, buildings. This is Herod the Great. What do we remember Herod for? Well, we remember him for, for killing the babies in Bethlehem. That's how we remember Herod. He did so many amazing things, building-wise, architecture. It's just astounding. But the world doesn't remember any of that. This is a small piece of what he did. But what we do for the Lord is what lasts. So Mary uh, and Judas are remembered very differently, just as David and Herod were. So there you have the anointing and the embezzler. And last today, the real pearl of great price is Jesus's death. So we go back to verse seven for that. 
Uh, again, this is the heart of Jesus' uh, response to Judas's objection. Why wouldn't we give this to the poor? And Jesus' response is, you're going to have the poor with you all the time, uh, not me. Uh, why does he say that? Because Christ's burial and death is of infinitely more worth than helping the poor out of the slums. That's a controversial thing to say today. That sounds callous, but it's true. Uh, more important than giving, uh, getting the poor out of their poverty is getting uh, people uh, into heaven, getting people to faith in Christ, getting people out of their sins by Jesus atoning for them on the cross. Far more important. There are statements like that that we need to hear and Jesus gives it to us because we need an, uh, not an earthly perspective, but a heavenly one. Uh, another statement like that, just as an aside, I heard a, a sermon once uh, recently where the pastor was talking about um, abortion and saying, I, I would rather live in a poor country, uh, an impoverished country where there was no abortion, than live in a rich and prosperous country like I do now with abortion. Uh, those are the kind of priorities we need to remember that we're supposed to have, even when uh, we are uh, in our hearts divided over that. So it sounds callous, but it's true. You're always going to have the poor with you. You can always help them. But this is the weak. This is, and I'm talking about when Jesus is saying this, this is a unique point in the whole history of the world. Jesus is less than a week before his death at this point. It's time to focus on that. The poor really will be here any time. So uh, careful not to abuse that, right? We, we can say, I'd never have to give to the poor because they're always going to be around. But no, that's, that's not the point. The point is that Jesus' death, Mary's pointing to that with her anointing. Some even say that she knows it's coming. Jesus has told them, I'm going to the cross, I'm, I'm going to die. So it, it's very possible that she's doing this deliberately, thinking of his death coming. Well, <clears throat> Anyway, careful not to abuse this, right? I just saw in the news again, the Catholic Church uh, is having difficulties with their finances in these days for obvious reasons. But they had a charity drive, apparently, a year or so ago. Uh, and, it, and the whole idea was that they were uh, raising money to give to the poor. Well, it turned out, uh, a newspaper uh, discovered through their journalistic efforts, that actually most of that money went to make up for the deficit that the Vatican had already. That's, that's badness. That's not good. So again, we can uh, misuse funds for the poor. Uh, but the real pearl of great price is Jesus' death. That's what he says in verse 7. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. So uh, Mary has done this uh, great thing, pointing to Jesus' death. And it seems like way too much when we're not thinking of the preciousness of Jesus' death. It's invaluable, uh, the death of Jesus for us. You cannot put a cost on it. There's a psalm, that I think it's in Psalm 49, that says, who, who can atone for a man's life? And it's, it's at the point where he's talking about the rich. The rich can do a lot of things, but who can atone for a man's life? Not with a year's wages, not with a hundred, hundreds of years' wages, can you atone for a man's life. Jesus has done it. That's the real pearl of great price. Go sell everything you've got to make sure that you uh, are in union with Christ 
benefiting from his death on the cross for your sins. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, Mary and for the sacrifice that she made. Thank you for her humility. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we would be careful not to respond like Judas, but to keep a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective, on the immense worth of what you have done for us. Uh, Lord, grant us wisdom in how we uh, use our resources, what you have given to us. Uh, Lord, open our eyes to see those times when you call us to the generosity and to sacrifice. Help us to know, Lord, where uh, you are calling us to serve and how. Uh, give us insight uh, to see our skills, our abilities, our opportunities, and to glorify your name. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, and we sing as he taught us to pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I dot com. Again, thank you and blessings.